Ladies and gentlemen, in just a moment, you are going to hear the voice of a man who will tell you some tremendously important facts. Welcome to the Reality Revolution. I have a wonderful guest today for the podcast, Granddaughter Crow, a prolific and wonderful writer and medicine woman. Joy Granddaughter Crow has received a BS in business management as well as a BS in business administration, an MBA and a doctorate in leadership. She has written several wonderful books. We're going to talk about that. She's uh, has several years of experience in corporate America, working for an international company and additional time working for government. She has worked as a college professor. She is here to share and serve under the name of Granddaughter Crow. Internationally recognized as a medicine woman, Granddaughter Crow was born an empath and medium. She comes from a long lineage of spiritual leaders and esoteric wisdom raised by spiritual leaders as a child. She was fashioned and trained to serve the people through ministry. She is a member of the Navajo Nation, uh, her father, and also has a Dutch heritage, her mother. Granddaughter Crow provides a sense of integration through life experience. In particular, I just got done reading uh, Granddaughter Crow's new book, uh, Belief Being Beyond, as well as her wonderful book, Wisdom of the Natural World. And I'm totally recommending everybody read these books. Um, mm -hmm. Granddaughter Crow has uh, some very fascinating insights um, that I just that came to me as I was reading this stuff. And they're, they're, they're unique reads. The, uh, the, the most recent book, which I, I believe is coming out yesterday, right? Just came out. Yeah, or um, actually, it's coming out the beginning of June. So, but I got my, but I got time, my copy. So, yeah, <laughs> right. By the time the book, by the interview comes out, it'll be when the when the book comes out. So, um, it's 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 a unique book because it, the way it's structured, it, I just found it fascinating. It's talking about um, it, within the the structure of a day, awakening, enlightenment, being, becoming, using tarot arcana. Uh, super fascinating way to to write this book, and I got a lot out of it. It's very different than what um, you'd expect from a traditional book like this. And then, wisdom of the natural world really um, had some unique, powerful exercises. Brought me back to a connection to the to to nature, and and I I could see the things around me in a more spiritual sense, like trees and mountains and plants, and um, it helped me connect to the mothers. So I mean, there's so much stuff here. I just want to welcome you to the Reality Revolution. Thank you for joining me. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much, uh, Brian. Thank you for inviting me onto your show, as well as um, everything that you do on screen for all the listeners and behind the scenes. Just want to give a call out because I know that there's a lot that you put into all of these. Wanted to say hello to his um, listeners. And I listened to quite a few of your different podcasts, very interesting, mind expanding, exploring the unknown. And it's just really an honor for me to, to be here. And, and thank you for, um, yeah, talking about my, my book. It, it is very, very different. Um, but then again, aren't we all, you know, <laughs> original thoughts. And I think that one of the things that I try to do within my authorship is to speak with the person who's sitting there reading it. I want to talk directly to them. So I have more of a, a dialogue. And sometimes, yeah, I go off on, oh, and by the way, you know, here's this interesting scientific fact. But what I try to do is stir up whatever it is that is right on the brink of being stirred up within each individual reader. So they might get touched by the tarot, they might get touched by the wisdom within the world, they can get touched by quite a few different things. But within this book, what I wanted to do is help us to understand that we are more similar than we are different. We all experience the mourning. And that feeling, when you embody what it feels like to wake up, like literally wake up, maybe have a cup of coffee, stretch, sit in the sunlight, that sensation is to the body what an enlightenment or an awakening is to the mind and to the spirit and to the heart. So it helps us to embody and gives us really good definition around that. That's why I utilize you know, a lot of esoteric stuff. Let's put it in the body. Let's see what it feels like as we move forward. So 
So you tell a little bit about your story in the book about growing up and, and it was uh, as a medicine woman, the way you write, I was surprised to see that you were raised in a Christian household, yeah, um, in a strict Christian household brought up to be um, a minister. Um, and so, and even um, kind of told, don't question this. Yep. You're not allowed to question this and, and, and to be programmed against questioning something is a, is, is a, 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 I'm sure deprogramming yourself from that has been part of your journey. So tell me a little more about that, how you came from that Christian household to um, this expansive view of, of the universe. Absolutely. Um, absolutely. So yeah, my, um, just in short, my mother and father, my father, full-blooded Navajo Indian, um, my or Native American First Nation, and my mother, uh, full-blood Dutch. How did these two people get together? They got together through seminary school. So they both went to go become a reverend of sorts. They got together and they decided to be missionaries to bring Christianized thinking to the Navajo. And so out of the three kids, I was the one that um, they figured would carry on this cloak. This, I, I was so ingrained, it was so ingrained within me to not question authority, to not question the elders, do not question the Bible, do not question God, do not question. Children are to be seen and not heard. And that, I sat with that until I was about 15 years old. And I started asking questions. Maybe that was my soul or spirit coming through. Like, mm -hmm. why can't I ask a question? Oh my God. When I started saying things like that, they were like, oh, she, we need to get her out of the secular public schools. We need to put her back into the Christianized schools and the thinking, don't ask questions. So what I did was I just kept going. It did lead to them separating themselves from me and my current life. Uh, they still are very, very devout, but it helped me to start thinking like, how is it possible that a belief system that is left unquestioned would constitute two people in the position of spiritual leadership and authority to disregard their youngest daughter? And as hard as that sounds, I mean, but doing a lot of healing around that, obviously with the book, I'm healed enough to like talk about to the world, but it's like, wow, if our belief systems are so much that we cast out our children, mm -hmm. okay, that makes sense why we go to war, why we do this. So my mind is... Um, I, I guess astrology speaking, for those who understand astrology, my sun sign is in the ninth house, which is the house of mental expansion. So if there's anything, how I, I figure that to be is, if there's one thing that I look for in the world, it's to expand the mind, to expand the consciousness. And then I start looking around at like other types of communities, whether it's a race beyond religion, whether it's race, whether it's um, sexual orientation, and the persecution that comes down to them when they're not allowed to question or look, think outside the box. So it's been pretty much a lifelong mission for me to... Yeah to ask questions and to encourage others to ask questions because I will not serve any belief system that does not let me question it because if it lets me question it, then it is, it has nothing to hide Exactly. or it wants to explore. But if it tells me don't question, I'm like, why, Right. why aren't you up for the challenge? It's a big red flag. If, if, if um, any belief system is, is scared of being questioned, that means that deep under all of it, there's some flaws, contradictions um, that they're afraid of you finding. Yeah. And, and the perfect belief system, question it all day long. Go ahead and question me about whatever I'm saying. That's what I say to the people on the podcast. Question me, question this. Be open about questioning. If you have parents or ministers or priests in your life saying you can't question this, that's a red flag right there that there's something wrong. Um, and I, and I, and the beauty of the spiritual journey is, is questioning because in that process, we learn so much more about the system of thought and, and ourselves. It's, it's amazing. So I, I resonate and relate to you because I had that too. I've even had that when I was a kid with my parents, but even later with, with 
with girlfriends I'd have, you can't, you can't question this. Clearly you're, you're, there's something wrong with you. If you're questioning this, you know, um, that was always like immediately I knew something was wrong. Right. Yeah. 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 And I mean, if you really want to break it down simplistically, whatever it is that fashioned us, created us, whatever that is, gave us curiosity. So what kind of a horrible joke would it be, you know, for us to be curious with our own mind and then told that we were wrong for utilizing the gift that was given to us, you know, so. There's this fear, there's this fear that it's like a sin. Right. The question. And of course it wouldn't be because then we would just be slaves to this, uh, to this idea. So, um, but going back to the book, so I, I love that. And I, and, and I think a lot of people listening will relate to your journey. Um, but you're telling about, a, a, you're using a day as yeah. a sort of framework for this new book. Um, and, 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 and I didn't quite get it until as it started making sense, I started relating um, the spiritual journey to a day. And, and, and it's, it's very simple and powerful. Uh, it's just so crazy how the world reflects itself um, in large things to smaller things to smaller things. Yeah. So when I'm waking up in the morning, it's a lot like me awakening in the spiritual. Yes. Uh, and, and so I wanted to, what, what, in, what inspired you to craft this understanding of the spiritual journey around a single day and, and how it works. Yeah, I think that that's where, um, so I decided to go back to um, my father's, um, you know, my father being a Navajo, and I went to his ancestors in the spirit realm, whatever you want to call it, in my own DNA memory, and I began to pull up wisdom and information that is very tangible. And so when I, you know, when you look at and I do a lot of comparative religions and a lot of, you know, mental gymnastics within the book. But when you look at it, there is a macro and a micro patterning to the way that we think. So I talk a lot about like the four bodies of existence, which I break mm -hmm. down to be physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual. And what I like to do is I like to talk about them as bodies um, because it gives the connotation that each of them need to be fed. Each of them need to have some rest. Each of them need to have, um, you know, exercise. And when I start looking at that in that model, I start realizing that a spiritual awakening is like the morning, just like the body goes through. And the enlightenment is like sitting in the noontime when all the light is right there. Your body understands what that is and that gives a deeper intellect a body intellect so then it can explain to your your mind and, and your emotions and your spirituality what's going on well it's much like noontime and then you know being is much like the evening when you're just like oh you had a long day's work you know you kick up your feet you sit down and you're just being and then in the nighttime you're becoming once again, you're resting. And it's just like the nighttime when we are in our becoming, it's like quiet and, and, and dark. We don't know what's going to happen, you know? Mm -hmm. And then beyond is the new day. And we all bodily in our physical form understand what that looks like. But now if we rely on the physical form to help that explain to the mental, emotional, and spiritual bodies what they are going through when they find another awakening or another questioning. It kind of embodies it so that we're not so far out here that we don't know how to be here, you know? Mm -hmm. What I loved about it in each chapter, uh, unexpected from your other book, and, I, and it's, it goes along with my own path, you use the tarot, um, but not in the way people use the tarot to predict the future. You're using it as a sort of spiritual guide. The images awaken some sort of understanding within and help us to, to relate to almost like states of along the spiritual path. Am I right in, in, yes. in, in getting that? that <laughs> yes. And that is the big wow moment of understanding the tarot. It was passed on like a spiritual technology from long ago as a way of transmuting complicated but simple ideas about the spiritual path. So you have different uh, images from the tarot that you relate to the, the morning, the awakening, to enlightenment, 
uh, and I and I love that. And, and, and I find myself going back and looking at the tarot and, and just getting so much more from it on a visceral and spiritual level when you relate it in that way. That's awesome. I, yeah, you, you nailed it. You got exactly, you picked up exactly what I was throwing down. Right. It's, it's a, a beautiful, like, it's like the, the tarot when you, when you sit there with a major arcana and you look at the patterning that it gives, you know, and obviously there might be a little things that are different within different decks and all of this type of thing and different interpretations. So I just go straight with the, the Rider weight deck. Um, but I love right. the journey around. You can look at your own major arcana in your own decks and kind of see the same story that's being led out, whether the story is the morning, the noon, you know, the evening, the night, and the tomorrow. Also the story of the creation, the flood, the savior or hero, and the end of time and, and the idea of what's beyond that and, and how that all flows in. And quite frankly, I, I, I was just inspired. It just made sense to me. Yeah, I've never seen that, but it just, that's how my mind wrapped around it. It's an amazing coincidence because you know, I read the law of one a lot and the law of one is sort of a channeled um, from a, an entity claiming to be from Venus from billions of years ago. And they helped, they claim to help in the creation of the tarot and they have a mind body spirit complex breaking the bodies just like you do. And then they have uh, they go over the, the archetypes in the tarot in exactly the way and each of the arcana are also related to the mind, the body, and the spirit, they, they, the, it, the tarot cards go into depth within each of those bodies, as you're explaining. Yeah. I found that to be an amazing coincidence that you, you, know, you kind of discovered that um, at the same time. You know, more of that, just to give you a little bit more of how it feels from a medicine, from my perspective, right. from my Navajo perspective. So, when the white man or the white English speaker talks, it reveals how they think and their patterning. Right. And when a Navajo talks, it reveals how they think and their patterning. And there are difference. And that's, and that's very, very true with a lot of different languages. Right. So we, we speak in the language that we think. So I think I write about that in the book. Nevertheless, yeah. what I want to say is that to the English speaker, to the English thinker, the word psyche is individualized. Like I have an individual psyche, you have an individual psyche, everybody has a different one. And when it's out of balance or stressed, we go see a psychologist, a psychotherapist, psychoanalyst, a psychic, you know, whatever. But there's a difference between that concept and the concept, I think it's even in Hebrew, but in the um, Navajo way, they see the psyche as this collective thing that we are flowing within, as though it is what is surrounding us. And we are like fish swimming in a collective psyche. And so that kind of that's how I, I hear it when you say the, the, the law of one. And, and I've got to, I got to figure that out. Cause I'm like, Oh my God, that's exactly what I'm saying. I must've picked that up from the psyche, you know? Right. Yeah. It's a, yeah. it's a it's same exact concept. I love that image of us swimming through an ocean of an, it's a, a consciousness that is all one. Yeah. I love it. That's amazing. Yeah. yeah. So we, we move from awakening and, and you, you kind of uh, talk about that. Um, and then we move to, to the noonday enlightenment. Um, and so differentiate that from awakening for me a little bit. So I just want to go through these five things just, just to break it down a little bit more. Um, sure. And in enlightenment is also a phase in our life and a phase in our spiritual journey. And you yeah. also help try to give personal stories. Yeah. But enlightenment is not necessarily learning this absolute truth that we suddenly discover. It's, it's a process. And something, explain what you were trying to get at with that. Sure. With that, yeah. So, so what I do is like the morning and awakening, I think of that as um, asking a question, like you wake up and all of a sudden you have a thought, 
you, you have a question, you have an idea, something was an aha moment. And what those usually lead to is like, but wait, what about this? But wait, what about, so the awakening is kind of like asking questions or your mind or your spirit is starting to move. Enlightenment would then be like gaining answers to those questions. Right. Yeah. Okay. So that period of time when the, the answers start to flow and the answers start to come. Yeah. And then we move to becoming that the being is, is the third step, right? Yeah. Um, so that's after we've already got the answers and we're starting to assimilate those answers into our lives. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yep. Yep. And we start acting upon those answers. So then it's not just, you know, cerebral or, or like emotional or spiritual. It's when we actually ask the question, get the answer. And then the being is how we apply that answer to our actual day-to-day -day activity or lifestyle or what you do, how you are being in the world. So yeah, that's, that's the flow. That's step three. Beautiful. And then you, you move into becoming where you're, you're in the process of assimilating the answers and just being and, and, uh, and then you're becoming, um, correct. That's the fourth step. Yeah. Right? Yeah. 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 And so that's kind of like, I mean, I don't look at enlightenment awakening as like a straight line that goes up. I, I look at it more like a spiral that we keep going around the same process of awakening, enlightening being, and then you're going to become something again, mm -hmm. which is another awakening. And, and so it's like, oh, what's beyond all this? So we keep, you know, and that's why sometimes our people are like, oh my God, I thought I already solved the answer to this. It's like right. an onion, you know, and they keep pulling things back. It's like, how come I keep having this problem? I already thought I resolved my childhood issues or whatever it is. And it's just like, oh, that's because it's a spiral. We keep revisiting certain things, certain themes in order to establish a higher understanding around what that is and a collective understanding, as well as an individualized personal understanding. So awakening asks the question, enlightenment is when you get the answer, the being is how you are actually taking action. And then the nighttime, the becoming is when you realize that that cycle is over and it is a circle. It will repeat. That's right. what the mother earth shows us. Everything flows in circles. So that time of nighttime is a time to rest and assimilate because you're going to wake up again. And that's when the world or the divine or the consciousness responds and brings to you the manifestations of what it is that you became and then takes you to the next level, which is the next morning, because there's always something beyond that. And the beauty of this is uh, a lot of times in discussions of, of, of the spiritual journey and consciousness, there's this implication, there's an end. Yeah, once you get to the end, it's all done. This is a constant evolution and, and a process that you just expect it's going to be ongoing and forever yeah. in the way that you describe it, right? Yeah. And that's what I think opens the mind, right? Mm -hmm. When, if you look at, and I do a lot of comparative religions and all of them, not all of them, but most of, most major religions will have an end, an end day, the end of time, the right. revelation, the Ragnarok, if you are Norse follower, the something. And then we all think that, oh, from there, we go to heaven or hell, or we cease to exist. But what if you were to understand that we start all over again? What? You'd have to start asking questions, right? You would have what? to start asking, what? You'd have to start asking questions because you know, I was raised in a very linear, linear thinking or linear thinking, you know, straight line thinking about this is the process. And by the way, um, Jesus is coming tomorrow. So you better put your things straight. I was so, that was so ingrained in my childhood and my childlike mind that I literally used it as an excuse not to do my homework. Why do your homework? Jesus right. is coming tomorrow. <laughs> So true. Yeah. And so that's how, that's how ingrained and embodied I had that. And, um, and so, but if you realize, wait a second, there's something more, 
that's the whole, that's a whole concept. There's something more, there's something more. And, and I think that like the wise people of the world realize that they, they don't know any very much at all because they realize the one simple truth of there is always something more. Mm-hmm. And that right sizes us. And then we stop feeling like we need to have all the answers to everything because there's always something more. So I was um, just loved your book on talking about connecting to nature and, 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 the, and symbology of everything. I've had this experience, especially recently, um, and I felt like it was a collective thing, but and, and it was with other people I know, like I've really focused, uh, I find myself gardening. I find myself outside going on, on hikes and different beautiful places all the time. I find myself connected to, to animals. They come up to me all the time. Birds, raccoons feel like they have a connection to me all the time in a, in a way that's never happened in my life. And I started noticing the more and more I, 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 I would, I, I got to meditate outside now. I don't meditate inside. I have to meditate outside, feel the wind, feel the elements. Um, it's almost like a, a sort of circle has formed around like the little house where I'm at. Um, yes. And it's like paradise. Like it, I, I'm, the whole world could be ending, but yes. earth is like created a little vortex right where I'm at. And it's like um, the garden of Eden, like er, 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 the animals come It's like, I'm in yes. paradise and I'm in a communication with the mother. She's, she's sending, uh, oh, you got to feed these new birds. You got to leave some peanuts for the squirrel. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, I, and I felt like that, like there was this connection I had. I was there, now a conduit um, yeah. in this little tiny little area for the for what the Earth was trying to do. Am I crazy? Is this um, something that I, I've seen as a phenomenon with other friends of mine um, yeah. that are starting to meditate too? Do you understand what I'm trying to say? Oh, big time! Absolutely, one hundred percent. I live in yeah. my own little Garden of Eden bubble. Absolutely, right. to the extent. Um, that I grid my property with certain stones, basically placing yeah. certain stones all the way around the parameter. And um, this is my little my little bubble, yeah. you know. And the beauty around that is that the more that we become aware of our connectivity with the natural world, aka we are the natural world, we are our bodies are the natural world, the more that we recognize that the natural world we're not just like went to a movie to watch the natural world as we sit in our backyard and we just watch we actually become a part of it and the thinking that starts changing is like that bird that I saw probably saw me first it knows I'm here you know or Mm -hmm. I touch a tree and and maybe it's my warmth or whatever on whatever level you know, the tree knows that I'm touching it. The tree knows that I'm touching it. Mm-hmm. However, that consciousness goes. And, and you know, for people who are coming into that type of an exploration and thing, I would say pick up books on uh, the concept of animism because animism is a concept that everything has a soul and or what I like to say is everything has a consciousness. And when we begin to realize, oh, you mean this isn't just, you know, a place that was set up, you know, that I can watch for fun or have a picnic in. But when you realize, oh my God, I'm within this, this, this whole thing, it, it, it like heals the body, the soul, it reconnects, it realigns. I'm sure it does so many different things, but yeah, but it's, it's, it's alive. So yeah, I had an episode on the, on the podcast that I kind of talked about an experience I had where all the trees started talking to me. And since that has happened, they haven't stopped. You yeah. know, sometimes I can kind of block them out. And yeah. sometimes I, I still question, am I sane? Is this just my wild imagination? Um, you know, and, and, and I've even had people I respect saying, Brian, the trees are not talking to you. But I, I swear these trees are talking to me. And it's a lot of times they don't have anything to say. Um, or they are, they're just there, there's a presence and the trees all have their own personalities. It's not yeah. like one tree talks the same as the others. Right. They're all different and yes. they all have their opinions and, and I'll, 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 you know, I'll learn um, a whole history about a tree when I'm, when I'm hanging out with it, it'll tell, it'll tell me what's going on. Have you, have you encountered this phenomenon? Absolutely. 
Uh, absolutely. Um, so, you know, your friends will think that they're, you know, they'd say the same thing to me, but this is how I will explain scientifically to give a little bit more logic to the um, doubting minds that don't understand what's going on. Mm -hmm. um, so in, in one of my uh, communications classes in my undergrad, we wrote, we had to read a book called Louder Than Words written by uh, Alton Barber. And in this book, he breaks it down and he says, 7% of conversation is in word, which means 93% of how we are communicating with each other is body language, is like facial expression and tone and all of that. And then what we're doing is we are interpreting all of that into a language that our mind recognizes. So of course, if only 7% of communication is in word, 93%, that tree is talking to you because it does all of those things when the wind goes through it. And I, and I get both, like sometimes the tree doesn't speak English, it just speaks volumes, but sometimes like I'll start working with a tree and all of a sudden this old voice comes up and I'm like, what the hell, you know? And I'm like, what, huh? <laughs> right, wasn't yeah. expecting that. And so what I would say about that and is that my imagination or not? Truth is who is driving your imagination? Right, exactly. It's a great question. Yeah. Uh, but I, I have found when I listen to the trees, they have wisdom. Yes, um, they do. I can learn great things. Um, and, and, and I've encountered many trees I felt like had been souls um, that had not been trees before and had chosen to be in this state because they wanted to be in a state of stillness um, because it allowed mm -hmm. them to be closer to the creator. Um, and, and it was like, it's like a, a spa or like a, you know, they're, they're there for this short period of time. And I just love that. I just love wow. that. And so um, when, when this happens to you, when it's not just the trees and it's the rocks and everything, um, the whole world becomes just this cacophony of different voices, right? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. it's, um, yeah, I love, I love just to back up one second. I love what you said about um, a soul choosing to be a tree out of the stillness of it. And where my mind goes with that is one day in our life is one year to a tree. It wakes up in the springtime, mm -hmm. in the summer, it grows like our noontime in the fall, it starts falling asleep, just like our evening time. Mm -hmm. And in the winter, it goes to sleep. So it's like exactly. an extended stillness time. That Absolutely. was the big revelation is that it's, they have a different, un, a different perception of linear time. Yes. And, and, and everything's moving like much faster. Yes. So the, the wiser, older trees kind of know that and they, they can kind of adjust their rate of, of time but many of them people are not able to understand what's going on because they're just experiencing time on a different level <laughs> I absolutely I absolutely agree 100 percent and I think that when the world begins to wake up and we start dialoguing with it it tells us so many wonderful things in fact it is my eldest and dearest teacher and what I mean by that is, mm -hmm. if there is a concept, whether it's man-made or whatever, a concept that comes into my mind or, or a thought or an idea, I bump it up against the natural world to find out if it's true or not. So what I'm saying is like, human, the human race is the only organism or species that I have found on mother earth that has thoughts or ideas that say, I am not good enough. I do not belong. I'm dis I'm, I'm wrong. Right. I'm, I'm sinful. No other organism does that. My cat sure, sure doesn't do that, you know? <laughs> no. and, and so when you, when you, when you get these messages or these narratives that maybe society or whatever tells you, bump it up against the natural world and be like, oh, you know what? That, that doesn't exist. I can't find another organism that is ashamed of being itself into its own totality. So why am I doing that? Another thing that I um, that you write about in your books is the elements, uh, fire, wind, water, air, and, and its relationship in the natural world. Have um, you ever had any experiences where you were in communication with the elements? I've had times around the fire, it felt like the fire was alive. Yes. Um, and, and that all the fire is alive wherever it's all like one being. 
Yes. Um, even if it's snuffed out, it's just in that moment when if you really focus on the fire, it's it's a living element that it, it has power and can communicate. There are beings within it. What is your impression of that? One one hundred percent. I remember gathering around a fire, doing some sort of a spiritual ritual or whatnot. And then I remember um falling in love with my husband in front of a fire or candlelit dinner. And then I remember going out into the backyard and, and grilling up, you know, whatever on the grill again with the fire. And I thought to myself, the fire hears all that we say, the fire hears our relations with each other. And it's, it's this, to me, it has ears, it has a spirit. I love like snapping shots, like with my phone and seeing the fire drakes and the dragons and the entities and how it dances. It, it, to me, it is very much has a soul that is expressed throughout history that we continue as, um, as, as a people to gather around and the same thing with water you know mm-hmm. i mean talk about the flood stories and and the different forms that water will take like you know sometimes it can be just a spring and then sometimes it's like mucky and then sometimes it's like this ocean but it's all one thing and it can take different forms depending on the environment meaning like uh if it's warm the water flows if it's cold the water freezes so what is all this talk what i'm saying is what if your emotions were like water and you are in a relationship that is warm and your emotions flow what if your emotions are like water and you are in a relation where it is very cold and you turn to ice it's very natural so the application of the elemental spirits um, are very much alive within within my within my world within you know earth is the same fire water you know spirits all of it wind oh my oh my goodness wind I used to play with the wind when I was a little girl yeah like I would conjure it and then I'd sing and then all of a sudden it'd blow and then mm-hmm. I'd stop it like played with me and maybe that was my imagination, but then I grew up and I went to go visit my aunt Alice, a high priestess of the peyote way down on the reservation, very traditional medicine. Mm-hmm. And she, she told me, Oh, um, one day I was a little girl and I was standing outside and the wind told me to go in this direction. It blew me in a direction. So I listened to it and I followed it and then it stopped So I stopped and I looked underneath and there was a peyote and the peyote taught me it's medicine. Wow. That's amazing. So I've had this situation several times when I'm really in tune, when I feel like I'm flowing, I'm in tune, I'm connected to the creator. When the wind outside is reflecting my feelings. Yes. I might be worried or nervous. I can hear it, you know, and I calm down a little bit. I force myself to relax and the wind calms down outside yes. and obviously I'm seeing that synchronicity but I feel like I'm connected to that wind in that moment right absolutely absolutely 100 <laughs> so I um the way that I explain or the way that I think about that is um the more that you connect within that little bubble the more the whole bubble reflects and you reflect it right and so another thing that I do beyond authorship and teaching and public speaking is I do offer one-on-one sessions and prior to a one-on-one session I will set sacred space and what I do is I'm just like I draw you know I draw a circle around the space and time uh this uh, declare it sacred space sacred time I set my ego to the outside and may I be a clear conduit for you and for the divine as it reveals itself to you to provide you with whatever information will will best you know empower you or help you at this moment and then game on so once the agreement that I have with spirit is that once Once I do that, I am in sacred space and sacred time. And in my agreement with the divine, that means anything that I think, anything that catches my eye, any noise that comes in is a message 
regarding that individual. So like I'll be sitting there, I set sacred space and I start feeling like I'm getting pushed or pushed or pushed. And, and I, and sometimes I just dismiss it, but it comes back. And if it comes back three times, I'm like, I feel like I'm getting pushed out of the nest and the individual break down saying, my mom and dad are kicking me out of the house. I got to go find my own house or, <laughs> right. you know, or I'll smell roses. And I'm like, Rose, how did you know my daughter's middle name? You know? So I trust, right, yeah. I trust it all. So it's almost to me what you're saying. The way I understand it is that you are setting up such a unique sacred space and you're beginning to get some sort of a, an, an agreement with that space, the divine, whatever you call it, the consciousness. And now it's like, oh, this will be fun. Let's talk to him. Let's sing with him. Let's reflect him. Let's let him know. I mean, it's kind of like, the days that you're the most sad, all of a sudden it rains and it's just That's like- That's what I was going to say. I mean, it'll be yeah. dark and cloudy and rainy when I wake yeah. up and kind of sad. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. It's, why, are, it's, why, are, why are weekends and Saturdays always beautiful and sunny, you know? Right. <laughs> I know. Exactly. I love it. But yeah, that uh, relationship, The just a side note, the more that we pay attention to- any anything the more that it changes and grows it's like in quantum physics it would be like the observer effect you know when you observe something it changes because it knows it's being observed in in the um you know healthcare and science community i think it's called like the hawthorne effect where um if they're going to do a study to study like lotion or something like that. They they do have a group that says just because we're starting to pay attention and take pictures and put lotion on, the skin is going to change just because of that, even if it's placebo. So when we do pay attention to like when the more you pay attention to your connection, the more it like starts just a whole symphony around, you know. Well, the um and another amazing thing in in my connection with nature that is the infinite variety of shapes and forms. Yeah. Um, you know, you, you walk through the forest or you walk just anywhere and I'm still blown away, you know, how many different plants and flowers and animals I'm not even aware of. They're constantly being shown to me all these alternating and in, 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 in beautiful shapes. And that state of becoming aware of yeah. this infinite variety of shapes and forms is empowering and powerful. Yes. Yeah. yeah, I think that, you know, um, if one is drawn to the study of sacred geometry, that is a beautiful way to go to look at the natural world and see all of the natural shapes and things. I have a funny story. So my husband um, studies and follows more of the Norse tradition, you know, the Northern European with Odin and Thor, right. and they have the runes. And so when I'm with him, I, I talk runic you know i, I relate right. to him and and so one time we were we went up to the the mountains and uh it was a sunny day and we started going up this trail and i kept seeing this hagalaz rune which is kind of it looks like an h but i just kept seeing it like within the tree branches or within you know a crack i'm like i keep seeing hagalaz i keep seeing hagalaz and i'm like i i'm getting this feeling like we should go and he's like, okay, because, you know, I'm the weirdo in the family. So, you know, we'll go along with what granddaughter Crow says. So we get in the car. Hagalaz, one of the direct interpretations of Hagalaz is hail, like H-A-I, well, like with a hailstorm. We got stuck. We made it to the car or the truck just in time. And a big hailstorm hit it oh, was, wow. yeah. So it was like the natural world had a clue that I would be able to interpret it if it provided it in that form. And so there's, it's, it's almost like we build our, our own psychic dictionary so that the, the energy goes, oh, I know that if I, if I show you a butterfly, you'll think of your dad. I know that if I show you the symbol, you'll think about sacred geometry. I know that if I show you Hagalaj, you'll get in the car and get off this mountain because it's about ready to hail. <laughs> oh, wow. Mm -hmm. So um, your uh, most recent book and, and, the, and, the, and the past one um, obviously have inspired you in a number of different ways. Uh, what is the main message that you want it to get out to others that read the book? 
Yeah, um, I would say, please question, approach mm -hmm. life with curiosity. Recognize that, you know, approaching life with curiosity, um, not falling into the assumption that we know everything, you know, and in fact, I guess we kind of do if we sit in stillness, all of the consciousness comes in, but, you know, in the human form, we got to kind of break it down and, but always approach life with curiosity, because if we as a collective don't do that, we are hurting a lot of people and ostracizing a lot of people and leaving a lot of people on the sideline that could be our next greatest leaders, but we leave them, we leave them behind because our belief system says X, Y, Z, and they are not following within our personal belief system. And so to recognize that um, if, if you as a reader were ostracized because of who you were and what people believed and how they couldn't accept you because of their belief system. This book is for you. I got your back. And we can all move forward as a collective whole if we remember that let's ask questions and be curious and see what lies beyond. There's so much more, you know? Yeah. Mm -hmm. I always like to ask this question of everybody that I talk to. We're, it, it, it feels like we're going through a global awakening, a change in our consciousness. And, you know, you're on the forefront of that. You're writing about it. You're, you're talking to people about it. What is your impression as to what is happening in the world? And what, it may be a spiral, but what is it we're moving into? What is the mm -hmm. level of consciousness that we're moving into? Yeah. So the way that I would, especially under the pandemic, um, political change, global change, economic change, lots of change. It's like we're getting, it's, it's like if you have a beautiful dream, you're like sleeping literally, and, and you are having this great dream, you don't wanna wake up. You just don't wanna wake up. But if you have a nightmare, you wake up, you try your damnedest to wake up. My key is when I have a nightmare, I hold my breath and it gets me straight out of there. So we're going through like, kind of an awakening based on being somewhat in a bad dream. You know what I mean? Yeah. Getting a little startled. And I don't know about you guys, but I'm watching the news a lot more, mm -hmm. you know, than I ever have before. I'm paying attention. Things are a lot more real. And so in that, it's like we had to wake up. And spirit and the earth and the consciousness was like, if we keep you guys peacefully asleep, you ain't gonna wake up. Sorry, guys. Let's 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 do the tower card in the tarot. Let's let's break it down. Let's 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 start asking questions. And so then the next card in the tarot is the star card, which is all about enlightenment. It's it's aligned with Aquarius energy of humanitarianism and consciousness. So it's kind of like a hard, heavy wake up call to wake us all up and then to allow a new version of this consciousness to come in. And it is so large that it reveals itself to us individually in different ways. And so it's kind of like, I think that everybody has like a little combination based on their lived experience, their, their DNA, um, memory, um, all of that kind of stuff. So then the divine or this consciousness will reveal itself to you in the way that you most understand it. And it reveals itself to me in the way that I most understand it. And what's fun is to sit around and compare with each other what's going on. But I, I feel this, um, enlightenment. I feel enlightenment coming and I feel um, more collective um, consciousness, more um, higher consciousness state, um, however you see. And I mean, I can fly to the stars and back with you. I can go through whatever. That's why I like to appear to individuals based on what they believe in. So I can speak their language because I know whatever mm -hmm. this vibration is, it's so much bigger than one language, you know? So yeah, an, an awakening and enlightenment much to the star card. So if you don't know what I'm talking about, um, pick up the book, pick up a tarot deck, go to the star card and just stare at it, step into it, 
use your imagination, look around, that's where we're headed. Wonderful. Something I talk a lot about on my podcast is the unique relationship between our consciousness and the world around us and our ability to create our reality. Uh, you know, certain as you, I, I know one of the great things about reading your books is that you're fascinated by different belief systems and, and you're open to accepting contradictory belief systems. It's possible, you know, but, um, and, and, and I find that as a, in a tenet in different belief systems, how much they believe in the power of creation, some not so much, some very much so. Mm -hmm. um, experientially, it feels like we're becoming more and more manifestors, um, uh, at least in my own, that's the only way I can really evaluate it. Uh, what is your feeling and what have you learned as a medicine woman in, in learning to create realities? Mm-hmm. That, I mean, Brian, we could do a whole show on that. Yeah. That is a beautiful concept. What I would say is that um, absolutely there's more and more energy and understanding about how we can manifest, how we do manifest. Um, and what I would say is this is why I, it's, it's such a big concept that I'm trying to boil it down to just pure English words. The whole enlightenment and manifestation concepts and how we can talk about those through the, the mental realm and through our spiritual awakenings and, and how you know we connect with all of this and our emotions connecting with all of it. That's why it's so important to get into the natural world and embody what that is and understand with your body what mourning feels like and its assimilation so that it actually comes manifest. So many people stop with the idea or the emotion that we need to embody what that actually feels like from a uh, sensational point of view and literally embody it. And then don't limit it. Oh my God, we're in a dialogue with whatever it is. And so like I say, oh, this will be great. I'm going to write this book and maybe somebody will read it. Mm -hmm. Well, I hand it over to the divine and the, and the collective conscious or the unconscious or whatever this thing is. And all of a sudden it creates on its own. Um, as a medicine person, I would say, keep your mind, watch, watch your thoughts, keep your mind in a curious gratitude, curious position, because when you, when I am not curious, I don't see what's right in front of me and all the answers could be right in front of me, but I didn't pose the question. So I don't recognize the answer. Just, I mean, I could talk about this for days, but I would just say, well, the one thing I would say is absolutely the idea that we have something to do that the creator isn't something that is a, like a parent, like a parental figure where we have to ask permission for everything. It's becoming a partner. Mm -hmm. and right. and and we create with it and it creates with and through us and step one be curious and embody it be mm -hmm. curious and embody it when our mind starts looking for the beauty and the treasures and the miracles your mind starts finding those and then it starts building and then your creation becomes this beautiful thing. I, you know, really quickly, I just, for those of us who have watched Ghostbusters where they're like, clear your mind because whatever you think will be the monster. That is so true. It's true. Yeah, it is true. So clear your mind and be curious and, and look for, look for the beauty in the world and you will find it. And it, the momentum just begins. And we absolutely are creators. Absolutely. 100%. Now, as a medium and medicine woman, I would like to get your perspective on the afterlife, on past lives and future lives. How do you think it works? What is your impression? There's so many, and I love to hear them all, and I, and yeah. I believe them all, right? 
No, so do I. It's so I think funny. There's truth in all of them, right? There is truth in all of them. And the story of that our consciousness individually can understand is where we're at within that perspective. So when I sit with somebody and I'm starting to hear from those on the other side, or I'm starting to hear or see their past life, I ask them, you know, where do you land? Have you ever explored, um, you know, uh, reincarnation or, or the afterlife? And then I stay within their parameters because I'm not here to spook anybody. So then I'll just describe it in a different way. I'll, I'll talk about potential DNA memory or potential soul memory, you know, that maybe came through the bloodline, however they understand it. I think that there are so many ways it's like looking through, um, like, what do you call those that, um, a diamond and you see all of these little facets, whatever works for the person. For me, um, I feel personally, and I don't want anybody to pick up my belief system without questioning it, right? Always question. So for me, I feel like I've been around the block a handful of times and that I actually, Brian, it's so weird that there came a time in my life that I was like, okay, I'm done. I finished all my karma. I'm all ready to go. Why aren't I dead? My spirit and my mind and my emotions felt like this. I'm like, (laughs) what am I still doing here? What am I still doing here? And I was just like, I've never heard anybody say that before. And I'm like, maybe I just find it easier to be in human form and to get the message out instead of trying to, you know, be a spirit and haunt somebody to have them write the book, you know, it's just easier. (laughs) Right. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Uh But I, I believe that all is energy. Einstein says that energy cannot be created nor destroyed. It comes up in different forms. It constantly exists, reinvents, moves, morphs. And however that makes sense to you, that is what I would say. For me, a lot of different things make sense a lot of different things. And I love mm-hmm. hearing more because I'm like, ooh, that makes sense too. Ooh, that makes sense too. So, Well, with the concept of a multiverse, um, you, you, can, you can have multiple different afterlifes. Um, and, and, and one thing that really resonates with me um, is that, you know, at least initially when, when we, we die, we kind of go to an afterlife that we've created. Uh, because that's what, you know, if, if it's, if it's hell that you're in, it's because that's what you're expecting. And you just kind of go to this, uh, eventually we, 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 the, we awaken, we go through another day in the afterlife, just like you described in your book, but initially everything's going to be what we created. And so initially we're like, see, I was right. Everything is exactly as I imagined it. Right. Cause that's the only way we can comfortably kind of assess and understand what's going on. Right. I believe that exactly. It's like, I don't believe in the pearly gates and streets of golds and, and, and mansions like I did when I was little, but my parents do. And I, I bet they're going to go there. They're going to see the pearly gates. They're going to see the streets for a while, for a while until they awaken. Yes. Just like you're talking about. And they go through the same spiral yeah. Even in the afterlife, I think it's a constant progress and then they can choose, okay, should I go back and, and, and live another that. life or should I go to this other planet? What, what is your concept of planets? When we oh, look I... out and, 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 and when you look out in the universe, I, I, I'm uh, at least uh, uh, 20 times a day, I, I just love to ponder the planets and the infinite number of solar systems and galaxies. And so, you know, is, is each solar system have another experiment like this one? I mean, what is your, what is your concept and belief as a medicine woman, what you've seen in the afterlife? What I would say is all of it. If you can imagine it, it's going on someplace. Um, And it might all be simultaneously going on. And when I look out into the stars and the heavens and everything, it's so beautiful. And I realize that I'm in this lived experience, but then I go to sleep and I dream about being on a planet with two moons. And it is so crystal clear that I'm like, how did I imagine that? Or I, mm-hmm. I swim with a, a, a whale or last night when I was dreaming, um, I had um, a, a raven just come up and it was just following me around and it wanted me to just pet it. You know, it's just like, I've never really actually done that in this dimensional lived experience, but somehow I have these memories. So I'm all about if, if there is something that you are perceiving on one level or another, 
it exists, even if it's just in your mind, but what put it there? So I'm just, I'm a kid. I'm a kid. I'm just like, holy crap. I could, in fact, I had a dream one time that I met myself in a parallel universe. Mm -hmm. I went out to coffee with her and she was in the version that the family didn't kick her out. (laughs) And she was going shopping with her sister. And I looked at her and I was like, oh my God, you look so gracious. And I love the color of your shirt. And she goes, I love this color blue. And I woke up and I'm like, I love that color blue. And then I thought to myself, maybe that is my line. This certain color is what connects all of my existence. You know, so I just have those. Right. No, I love that. So what your concept of dreams, it, 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 it might be us experiencing a parallel reality. It could be symbolic. Um, how do you treat your dreams spiritually? Are we learning from them or is it ah, just journaling or is it uh, how someone, what, what does your culture and heritage teach you about treating your dreams? Yeah, I would, I, I can't answer from a Navajo perspective, but I can mm-hmm. answer from a granddaughter crow perspective. And what I would say <laughs> is that there are different types of dreams. Some are you digesting your day, some of that. And, but then there's, and then I, so I say journal about them, but the more that you ask questions before you go to sleep, the more answers come up in your dreams, or if you've, you know, all of that. And I think I talk about dreams and the study of dreams in my book, Belief Being and Beyond. Mm-hmm. And I think of dreams like they're different things. And I, I think that sometimes when I'm not paying attention to them, that they'll come back around and I'll, I'll keep dreaming the same thing until it feels like a deja vu. And then I catch it and I'm like, oh, this has purpose. Oh, this has purpose. But I can tell you from my lived experience that I will have a dream and sometimes it is literal. And I will write it down and it's like either a prediction or it's something that's going on on the other side of the planet or whatever. Sometimes I have a dream and it is a metaphor. And the hardest part about being who we are is figuring out what we're perceiving. Is it a metaphor or is it literal? That still trips me up, you know, and I've been doing my thing. I've made the mistake of thinking it was a metaphor when it wasn't. And I've, and I've made the the opposite mistake, Um, but clearly it's never the same. It's not, we can't say dreams are this. It's right. obviously a lot of different things. Yeah. And there is a culture, um, a tribe, probably I think in South Africa, and maybe some one of the listeners will like type it into, you know, and let me know what it is, but that believes that the dreamland is the real one. And this is our mundane sleep. Sure. Yeah. Why not? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I love it's been, it. It's been so much fun talking to you and I want everybody to go out and Type in Granddaughter Crow on Amazon and then get all three of your books. They're amazing. Um, so just thank you so much for um, opening up. We'll have to have you on and we can talk about this some more. Be- Belief, Being, and Beyond is the name of the most recent book. And you can find your website at granddaughtercrow.com. Thank you so much and welcome to the Reality Revolution. Thank you, thank you, thank you.